Right, good morning, everybody. All right, we're going to continue in our, our survey of the Old Testament to see Jesus throughout, to see that the Old Testament was all about Jesus. It, it all pointed to Jesus. Um, Jesus had searched the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Um, and, you, and you will not come to me that you might have life. Um, it's all about Him. Salvation is in a person. Um, that person is not you. Uh, but that's, that's what most people think. People say, well, salvation is by faith alone in Christ alone, but if you're really saved, you know, you'll have the works. Um, okay, well, you're not getting it, okay? Um, if you're really saved, you'll realize that it has nothing to do with you, absolutely nothing. It has everything to do with Jesus, and this is what the Bible teaches from Genesis to Revelation. Um, and I bring this up because, you know, we're looking at Leviticus today as we continue on in the study. In, in, in Exodus, um, God instructed them how to build a tabernacle, which also points to Jesus, by the way. Um, in Exodus, you know, God was on Mount Sinai in, in Exodus chapter 19, and it was a, it was a really scary sight, you know, to behold. Um, there was a thick cloud, and there was thunder and lightning, and, and they couldn't even approach the mountain or, or they would die. Even a beast, if a beast touched the mountain, they would have to kill the beast. Um, but then they're instructed how to build this tabernacle so that God could, could dwell with them. Um, well, a tabernacle is a tent, okay? Um, and it, 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 it's a reverence to a body. Um, Paul makes that clear in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1. He says, For we know that if our, earth, our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, uh, eternal in the heavens. So the tabernacle they built for God to, to dwell in was, was like, a, like, a, like a temporary body, basically, so to speak, so that he could dwell with them and, and, and they could dwell with him. Um, and it, it all pointed to Jesus. Uh, John 1.14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Okay? So Jesus came with a tabernacle, or tent, um, made of flesh, and he dwelt among his people, just like he did in, in, the, in the tabernacle in the Old Testament. Uh, well, in Leviticus 1, uh, you, you, you'll get there with me, Leviticus chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation. Okay? So he, he's, he's not on a mountain saying, you know, don't, don't come near this mountain or you'll die. Uh, he, he's in this tent, this tabernacle, saying, you know, you can approach me now, but, but there's a certain way that you have to come to me. Okay? And it was very detailed, very detailed, um, very specific. You know, hardly anybody would, would say that Leviticus is your favorite book of the Bible, just, just being honest, right? Um, how many verses in Leviticus have you committed to memory? Probably not very many, right? You know, you've, you've, you've got things in your head from Genesis and Psalms and, you know, Isaiah, Proverbs, but, but probably not Leviticus, right? Um, Leviticus is all about sacrifices and how the people would, would approach God. And many people have a bad understanding of these, these sacrifices and the law in general. Even people that understand grace, they think that people in the Old Testament were saved by these sacrifices and, and by the law, okay? Well, the writer of Hebrews makes it clear that it, he said, it, that he said, he said, it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Okay, that's not the, the point of these sacrifices. These sacrifices, like every, everything else in the Old Testament, it pointed to something greater. It pointed to Christ. Okay, um, and it, they pointed to the one sacrifice that matters. Okay, uh, turn to turn if you will. Hold your place in, in Leviticus. We'll be flipping uh, flipping back and forth. Uh, Hebrews chapter ten in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter ten. Hebrews 10 and verse 12. 
And it says here, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Okay? All the sacrifices in the Old Testament were about Jesus. Okay? It, it, it pictured him. Um, not, not the people who made the sacrifices. Right? Uh, not their work in bringing the sacrifices. Um, not their obedience in, in, in bringing sacrifice. It was the sacrifice itself that pointed to Christ. Um, in Genesis chapter 22, you, most, people, most of you know this story. You know, Abraham brought his own son to sacrifice in obedience to what God told him to do. Uh, and he said, um, he said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. Okay? These sacrifices were put in place to point to something greater. They pointed to Christ. Um, look at, if you're still in Hebrews 10, look at verse 6. It says, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Okay? The sacrifices had a specific point, and they were very specific. Um, probably why most people don't read Leviticus, you know, on, on a regular basis. And it's, it's not light reading, you know, it's not light reading at all. It's kind of like reading a, an owner's manual, you know, with a with all the details. You know, an owner's manual. If you bought like a I don't know a lawnmower or a chainsaw or something like that, it comes with an owner's manual, and it it'll have this checklist of all the things. If you know a troubleshooting list, if, if something goes wrong and this is not working, then Check this, you know, it has all the little details um, of how that thing works. Um, and, and, and that's how a lot of people approach salvation. You know, they, um, Jesus said, search the scriptures for in then you think you have eternal life. Okay. In the details and all those little boxes that, that people think they have to check to be saved. Um, so let's, look, let's look at some of this an example. Go back to, uh, go back to Leviticus chapter 1. Leviticus chapter 1. Beginning in verse 2, <clears throat> we'll read down to verse 9. It says, Speaking to the children of Israel, and saying to them, if any, if any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd and of the flock. If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. And he shall put his hand upon the, the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. He shall kill the bullock before the Lord, and the priests and Aaron's sons uh, shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood round about upon the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of the uh, of congregation. And he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into his pieces. And the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire upon the altar and lay the wood in order upon the fire. And the priest, Aaron's son, shall lay the parts, the head, the fat, in order upon the wood that is on the fire, which is upon the altar." But his inward, inwards and his legs he shall wash in water, and the priest shall burn all, all, all on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. Okay, so again, notice how, how detailed everything has to be. Um, you know, a couple of things you take away from, that I took away from these sacrifices, it, it's really bloody, okay? It's really intense. Um, and, I, you know, I, growing up, I, I butchered animals before. I, you know, I butchered deer and goats and things like that growing up. Um, but here, you know, you're not just, you're not just cutting their throat and, and throwing them into the fire, okay? Um, and I'm not trying to gross you out here on a Sunday morning, but that's just the way it is. You know, you, you have to really get in there and get bloody to, to do what they had to do with these sacrifices. Um, so this shows that this, the seriousness of sin. This is how God takes sin very seriously, and they're killing these animals because of their sin. Um, all the blood and the guts is because of them, because of, of, of their sin. You know, they had to bring these sacrifices before the Lord. So we see that God is really serious about sin. He's holy, and this is the only way you could approach Him. Um, the question, the book, 
this book answers is, is how can unholy people come in the presence of God? Okay? And the answer is that the blood had to be shed. You know, you know Hebrews says without blood is no remission of sin. Um, but that was a temporary sacrifice. Okay? Um, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 3 said it had to be done every year. They had to do this every, every year okay, in remembrance of their sins. It, this was not an eternal redemption. Okay? Um, it was like, it's kind of like putting a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. Right? Um, these sacrifices pointed to the eternal sacrifice, which was Jesus Christ, a once-for-all sacrifice. Okay? Um, hold, your, hold your place and go back to Hebrews again. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, look at verse uh, 13. It says, For the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through eternal spirit, the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Okay, so these sacrifices, which were done year after year, which were all a picture of Christ, they pointed to a sacrifice to end all the other sacrifices. Okay, Look, uh, skip down to verse 25. It says, uh, Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he, he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it, appoint, as it appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. Uh, and unto them that look for him, he shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation. That's why you can't lose your salvation. It's a one-time sacrifice. Christ died one time, and that's it. You believe one time, and that's it. Okay, it's eternal. Uh, and that's why these sacrifices are not done now, but, but we can look back and see um, how they were all pointing to Jesus Christ. Okay, Leviticus is kind of like a picture book because it pictures the work of Jesus on the cross. Each one of these little sacrifices that we read about in Leviticus it's, it's pointing to some aspect of his, his sacrifice, okay, in very, very painful detail, okay? Um, and it's kind of, it's broken down into two groups, and we're not going to go too detailed into this today. I just want to see, I want you to see Jesus in the, in the, in the book of Leviticus. Um, but, but there were two groups of these sacrifices. It's, one's called the sweet savor, um, the sweet savor offerings and the, and the non-sweet savor offerings, okay? And the first three are voluntary, the last two are not, um, Another thing you'll notice about this particular sacrifice is, it is, is, is what could be offered voluntarily. Okay? We read it. It said that it's cattle, sheep, goats, and even birds. Okay? And, and this pictures who comes to Christ okay? or who can come to Christ. These animals not only represent Christ, but they, they represent the different people that came to Christ. Okay? Rich or poor and everything in between. Um, you know, if, you were, if you were rich, you could, you could afford a bullet or an ox. If you weren't, if you were very poor, you could you could bring a bird, you could catch a bird. You know, it, it didn't cost you, it, it wouldn't cost you much or anything. Um, so again, this and this reminded me of, of a passage about David, who is also a picture of Christ. Um, these these different animals. Um, go with me to First Samuel, real quick. First Samuel chapter twenty-two. First Samuel chapter 22. Look at verse 1. It said, David therefore departed thence and, came and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. 
And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. Okay? And, of course, that pictures the captain of our salvation, Jesus Christ. Okay? David is an excellent picture of Jesus Christ. There so many things in his life that, that point to Christ, just like, just like the sacrifices. Um, and generally speaking, it's the poor that usually come to Christ. You know? um, not just poor financially, but poor in spirit. You know, the, like, it, like, it, like the people that came to David, the, you know, the broken, the in distress. That's usually when people come to Christ, when, they, when they're at, when they're at the, their wit's end, they're, they're at the bottom of the rope. Um, that's when they come to, to Christ. The, the people who are in debt, and we're all in debt. We're all in debt to God because of our sin, everybody. You know, the, the wages of sin you know, is debt. Um, but, but just like these sacrifices, it's open to everybody. That's the whole point. It's open to everybody. Um, the, 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 the church is supposed to be the same way. You know, the church is set up the same way. When you think about the animals, you had rich people bringing certain animals. You had poor people bringing animals. Um, uh, go, to, uh, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 in the New Testament. Second Corinthians 8, look at verse 9. <clears throat> it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Okay? So, you know, again, it pictures, it pictures the fact that, that you know, we're all, we're all poor when we come to the cross. That, and that's kind of a level playing field. We, we, we're just spiritually bankrupt. Okay? But, but Christ made us rich. So the sacrifices in the Old Testament, even though it may be a different animal, they were, they were all equal in God's sight, okay? Whether it was an ox or a, a turtle dove or a pigeon, um, all those sacrifices are equal in God's sight. It's just the fact that you came in faith, came in faith. Um, faith in Christ is a, the great equalizer because your, your money won't buy your way in, you know, the way it does in this world. You know, your power won't, won't buy your way in. You know, we're all, we're all on equal ground at the cross. When it comes to salvation, we're, again, we're all broke as we, as we stand before God. You know, your works don't matter, your... Your, your righteousness doesn't matter. <clears throat> your money doesn't matter. He makes us all rich by what he did. Okay? And that's why in Hebrews 2, 2 and verse 3, he calls, he calls it a so great salvation. Okay? He, he warns the Hebrews not to go back to those Old Testament sacrifices, which they were in danger of doing, because Christ fulfilled all the sacrifices, and he made us all rich with, with, with salvation. Okay? Um, go back to uh, Leviticus chapter 2. We'll move it to the next chapter. And you have the, what's called the meat offering, um, what we would refer, refer to as meal, okay? Meat, um, it talks about bringing flour. Uh, Leviticus chapter 2 and verse 1 says, And when any will offer a meat offering unto the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour, okay? And he shall pour oil upon it and franken, put frankincense thereon, okay? Uh, and, of course, the, the obvious picture here is, is, is the flour is, used, of course, used to make bread, Okay? And we know that that picture is Jesus. We've already talked about this. Um, Jesus, is, he, in John chapter 6, he said, I am the bread of life. You know, he said, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm that manna that came down from heaven. Um, and it's interesting, what's interesting is, is, is that you had to put, pour oil on it, like it says there in verse 1. Um, you had to pour oil on it. So go to, go to Matthew chapter 26. What is that picture? When they had to pour oil on that, on that flour, on that bread. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 26. The 
This all points forward to the, to the New Testament, to Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 26, uh, beginning in verse, uh, verse 6. It says, Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came to him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when the disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For you, always, you, you have the poor always with you, but me you have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall be also this, that this woman hath done it to be told for a memorial of her. Okay, so this is what was done with kings. Um, they, would, they would anoint them with oil. Um, you remember that's what was done to, to, the, to the kings in Israel. You know, Saul was the first king. They anointed him. And remember that Samuel went out, you know, when Saul disobeyed and he, he found David. He anointed him with oil. He, poured, he took a horn of oil and poured it over his head. Um, so when she poured this ointment on Jesus' head, this oil, um, and, and also in, in, on his feet, you can read about that in John chapter 12, this was not only done when you bury someone, okay, which, which would happen, but it's, it's the anointing of a king. Okay? And that's exactly what this, this meat offering pictured. It pictured the anointing of Christ. Okay? Um, and it even says, uh, go back to uh, Leviticus chapter 2 and verse 4. Um, it said, And thou bring an oblation of a meat offering, bacon in the oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mingled with oil, or unleavened wafers anointed with oil. Okay? So those, they would anoint those, those little cakes with oil. And it pointed to, to Jesus Christ. You know, the, the fact that he's anointed, he's, he's the king, you know. Um, verse 1, it said to take fine flour and pour oil upon it. Clearly, clearly a picture of Jesus, okay, of him being anointed as king, king of kings. Um, another little detail in, in verse 1 is, is the frankincense. It said, it said put frankincense thereon, okay. Well, what does that little detail have to do with Jesus? How does that point to Jesus? Well, back up, to, uh, back up a little bit, a couple of pages to Exodus chapter 30, frankincense. Uh, Exodus chapter 30, verse 34. said, And the Lord said unto Moses, Take unto these sweet spices, stacti and onicti, I can't hardly even pronounce these, galbanum, and these sweet spices with pure frankincense, of each shall there be a light weight. And thou shalt make it a perfume, a confection after the art of the apothecary, tempered together, pure and holy. Um, and thou shalt beat some of it very small and put, and put, it, put of it before the testimony of, in the tabernacle of the congregation where I will meet with thee. It shall be unto you most holy. Who is that speaking of, you think? Uh, and as for the perfume which thou shalt make, you shall not make your, yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. Whosoever shall make like, like unto that to smell thereto shall even be cut off from his people. Okay? So... This perfume, which is made of pure frankincense, right? We just read about that in, in the sacrifice. It was called pure and holy, which, you know, that, that describes Christ. It, it's pointing to Christ. That's who it's pointing to. It was only for the Lord. It was only to, use, to, to be used to worship Him, okay? You couldn't use it for your own personal use, like it says there, or you would be cut off, okay? You would die for that. So this, this, this frankincense was only for kings, Okay? And this, in this example, is only for God. That's that's all it could be used for. Um, if you remember the, um, when you when you read about Solomon, the Queen of Sheba brought it to Solomon. Okay, um, and Solomon was a picture of Jesus Christ in the millennium. 
Um, so, so lo and behold, when you get to Matthew chapter 2, go, to, go with me to Matthew chapter 2, speaking of this frankincense. Matthew chapter 2. After, after Jesus was born in, in Bethlehem and, and the wise men came from the east, it says in Matthew chapter 2 and, and uh, verse 11, um, and, and when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, speaking of Jesus, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their, tre- their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Okay? Uh, so these are presents that were fit for a king. And it was all pictured by these sacrifices in Leviticus. He said, when you, when you bring your, meat off, your meal offering... Put oil on it and put frankincense on top of it. Okay? Picture Jesus. Okay? Um, another interesting detail, going back to Leviticus chapter 2, in verse 13, Leviticus 2 and verse 13, it said, and, and every oblation of thy meat offering shalt thou season with salt, neither shalt thou offer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from thy meat offering with all thine offering. Thou shalt, thou shalt offer salt. Okay, so you always had to have salt in the offering. And that's true of anything you make with flour, right? Um, you know, you, you, you don't, you, you add it to anything you make in, in your house with, with, with flour. The recipe always calls for salt, doesn't it? You can make cookies. I mean, it's, it's kind of weird. Even with, with cookies and things like that, sweet things, you still add salt to it. Um, pancakes, whatever. And this, this reminds you of, of a speech that, that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 5 about the salt. He said, you are the salt of the earth. Um, salt is a preservative and it keeps, keeps things from spoiling, keeps meat from spoiling. Um, well, that's what Jesus does for us. Okay? He preserves us. Okay? He preserves our souls from hell. And when, we, when we put our faith in Him, um, Jude, Jude, chapter, Jude verse 1 calls believers the preserved in Christ. Um, you know, that's what the salt points to in the offering. And they said, he said, never leave the salt out of the offering. Always put salt in this offering. Um, and, and I actually Googled that. I was just curious what it would say if I Googled it. I Googled why flour recipes call for salt. Why, why do they always call for salt? And this is what it said. It says because salt attracts moisture. It keeps your, your baked goods fresh for longer. Without it, your baked goods would spoil much quicker. Okay? So you can see how that applies spiritually. You, you've got to have that salt. You've got to have Jesus or, or, or you're not going to make it. It's that simple. Uh, so that's why they always said, put salt in it. And that points to Jesus. Okay? He's the preserver. Okay? Uh, Leviticus chapter 3, moving on, is the peace offering. Well, when we think of a peace offering, we think of something we have, we have to do to make peace with somebody. Right? Um, you know, if you, if you make, your, make your wife mad, you've got to make a peace. you got to bring her some flowers. Right? That's, that's what we think of when we, when, we, when we think of a peace offering. Well, that's not what a peace offering is in the Bible, so to speak. Um, look at Leviticus chapter 3. Um, let's read the first few verses there. Um, uh, and and his, if his oblation be a sacrifice of peace offering, if he shall, he shall offer it of the herd, whether it be a male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of the, his offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron's son, the priest, shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar that round about. And he shall offer the sacrifice of the peace offering, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. The fat that covereth the inwards, and all the fat that is upon the inwards, the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them, which is by the flanks, and the call above the liver, with the kidneys, it, it shall he take away. And Aaron's son shall burn it on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice, which is upon the wood that is in the fire. 
It is an offering made by the, by the fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. Okay? So, um, and there's more about this peace offering in Leviticus chapter 7. We'll look at that in a minute. But it was done for three reasons, basically. Uh, number one was, a, was what you call a free will offering. Um, and that was just to praise God for his goodness, you know, how, how good he's been to you. Number two, it was alongside a vow that, that had been fulfilled. Okay? A good example of this is Hannah. Um, uh, go, go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. You're right, 1 Samuel chapter 1. And if you remember, Hannah had, had prayed for a son. She was barren. And it says in 1 Samuel 1 verse 20, Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about, after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, uh, Do what seemeth thee good, tarry until thou have weaned him, only the Lord establish his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh when the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. Okay, that, that was her peace offering right there. That was what she brought. Okay, she prayed for a son. God delivered on that prayer. And, and this was sort of a thank you to God, you know, in, in addition to the fact that she kept her vow, you know, that she would give her son over to the Lord forever, you know, if, she, if, if he gave her a son. Um, she, but she brought this offering to show her gratitude. Okay, that's what a peace offering was. And then thirdly, a peace offering was made for, for God's deliverance in a time of need. Um, you know, and he didn't have to, but he did anyway. So those are really the three reasons that, that you would make a peace offering, and it was voluntary. You know, it was something you did voluntarily. So, but this offering had nothing to do with propitiation or, you know, trying to appease God. Um, there were other sacrifices that covered sins, you know. Um, they didn't save you, like we talked about, but, you know, they, because God's always been a God of grace. But... Um, the peace offering is really a lot like our service um, after we get saved. You know, the work has always, already been done by him. He's done all the work. All we do is accept it and believe on him. Um, okay, so he, he did what he said he would do. So in response to that, that, that was, that's kind of what a peace offering was. Um, and that's what it says in Romans chapter 12. Go with me to Romans chapter 12 real quick. Romans chapter 12. Look at verse 1. And Paul says here, he said, I beseech you therefore, and always, when you see therefore, ask what, what it's there for. Um, because you're saved. Okay, that's, what, that's what, the, what he's been talking about previously. Because you're saved, I, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your, your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Okay? And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. Um, so because you've been saved, you ought to serve the Lord. Give the Lord some of your time. That's what he's saying. You know, give, give, give yourself to the Lord and, and serve him. Well, that's just like the peace offering in the Old Testament. Um, uh, another interesting thing about this offering is it was, it was eaten by the worshipers. You know? Most offerings were not. Most of them you, you offered to the Lord. 
and, and, and whether they were burnt up or whatever. Um, but if you go back to Leviticus chapter 7, go to Leviticus chapter 7, and it tells more about this peace offering, the law of the peace offering. Leviticus 7, look at verse 11. It said, and this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer unto the Lord. If he offer it for a thanksgiving, then shall, shall offer it with the sacrifice of thanksgiving, unleavened cakes mingled with oil, and unleavened wafers anointed with oil, and cakes mingled with oil, or a fine flour fried. Beside the cakes he shall offer for his offering, leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offerings. And of it he shall offer one, uh, one out of the whole oblation for a heave offering unto the Lord, and it shall be the priest's that sprinkleth the blood of the peace offerings. And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day that it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until the morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering be a vow or a voluntary offering, it shall be eaten the same day that he offered his sacrifice. On the morrow also the remainder of it shall be eaten. Okay? So, you know, only a portion of this sacrifice was burned. And, you know, the, the, the rest was given to the person, to the priest, and they would actually eat the sacrifice. Okay? You, you, you got to actually eat it, okay? So that, that's a picture of God's provision, okay? Um, and, and we see this in what Jesus said. Go to G, John chapter 6. John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 51. Jesus said here, he said, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I, I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the, for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my, my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. And, and of course, he's not talking about actually eating his flesh. You know, that's what the Catholic Church thinks. They think that, you know, they take the, the, the wafer and the wine, and they're actually eating his blood, and, 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 you know, or drinking his blood and eating his flesh. He's talking about spiritual food here is what he's talking about. Um, salvation comes by spiritual food. You, you hear the gospel, from the Bible, from God's Word, you believe it and you're saved. Okay, it's spiritual food. Um, growth. Once you're saved and you want to grow, that comes by feeding on God's Word. You read it. That's the only way to grow as a as a believer is to read God's Word daily, or you know, however often you can, and you get His Word into you, and that that's how you grow. And that's what we see in this peace offering. Um, there's there's nothing we can do to make be made right with God. There's nothing that He needs from us. Okay, and I believe that's why He. He gave this offering back to, to, to let them eat it. You know, he, he doesn't need anything from us. Um, and he let them eat it themselves. But we, we don't have peace with God by giving him something. Um, uh, how do we have peace? Well, go to Ephesians. You're still there in John. Turn it, go over to your right to Ephesians chapter 2. Because this peace offering, again, it, it's just like everything else in the Old Testament. It, it points to the, to the peace that we have in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 14. It says, For he is our peace, who hath made 
both one and have broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off. That's, that's all of us. And to them that were, that were nigh. For through him we, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. So he did it all. He did everything. Um, he, he is the peace offering. Uh, back up to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Look at verse 1. It says, therefore, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into, into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Okay. Again, he, he's our peace. When you read about the peace, that peace offering in the Old Testament, it's, it's all about Jesus Christ. He is our peace. The moment you put your faith in Him, you have peace with God. It's that simple. Okay? And so the problem when, when, when most people read the Old Testament, especially you know, a book like Leviticus, is they say, well, man, look how many, look how many laws there are. Look how, look, look, look how many rules there are in the Old Testament. You know? Look how careful you had to be before you could approach God. You, know, you had to do it in a certain way. You know, all these things that we read about, you had to cut the animal up a certain way and lay the parts out. And, man, it's just confusing when you think about it. And that shows the huge difference between God's holiness and our holiness, right? Um, now, a self-righteous person, a Pharisee, will look at will look at all these all this stuff and and um, and all the law, and, and they and they'll try to live this out and try to you know try to live it out, all these laws and all these things to be right with God. Well, that's what Israel did. You know, that's what they were trying to do. Um, you're you're still there in Romans. Look at Romans chapter ten. Just flip over a little bit. Romans chapter ten, in verse one. It says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to, to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Okay? And that's exactly what, what, what Jesus was saying in John chapter 5. He said, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. Okay? The law and the sacrifices, you know, that's what that's what Paul thought till he met Jesus, right? Um, look at, um, keep going to your right. Go to Philippians chapter three. We're almost done. Philippians chapter three. Philippians three. Look at verse four. And Paul says here, though I might have, I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Um, and then he kind of gives his pedigree here and, and, and what qualified him. He said, circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the, the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So Paul checked all the boxes. You know, if anybody could have been saved by, by works, it would have been him. That's what he's saying here. Um, by keeping the law, any of that stuff, he, he did it all. He checked all the boxes. But what did he find out? He found out that it wasn't about him keeping the law, right? Look at verse 7. It says, But what things were gained to me, that I, that I counted, that those I counted loss for Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, 
for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So again, Jesus said, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Okay, why? Because the law and the sacrifices and all those ordinances that were so complicated, you know, and had to be done um, just right, okay, to the point that you don't even want to, you honestly probably don't even want to read Leviticus, right? It's just so dry and it's just so, it just seems so complicated, but it was all a picture of Jesus. You know, that, that's what you got to understand. It was all pointing to that one sacrifice that Jesus made for us. It all pointed forward to him. He was, he was pictured in the same way in every sacrifice in the Old Testament. And that's why it says uh, in Colossians, uh, go, to your, go to, to your right to Colossians, chapter 2. <clears throat> Colossians 2 and verse 16. It says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or in the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Okay? So, you know, this also includes those sacrifices. You know, it was all a shadow of things to come about that one sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on the cross. You know, we look at the Old Testament many times and we think, man, it's just so, I just don't get it. You know, a lot of people do that, especially books like Leviticus. You know, it, it, it can be really complicated when you think about it, but when you realize that it's all about Jesus, it makes it a whole lot simpler to understand, doesn't it? Um, and we, we see this on every page of the Old Testament as we've been going through this study. It, it's all about him. It's, all, it's just all about that one sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on the cross. Okay, we'll finish there. Any questions or comments? Thank you. Thank you. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word as we come here today to study, Lord. And we're thankful, Lord, as we read through Leviticus and, and many, many passages in the Old Testament, Lord. Um, we see it, it seems so complicated, Lord. And we thank, we thank you, Lord, that you, you did the complicated part, Lord. You sent your son Jesus, and he fulfilled every, everything in this Old Testament. He, filled, he fulfilled the sacrifice. He fulfilled the law. Um, he is the end of the law to everybody that believes, Lord. If there's anybody here or listening to this today, Lord, that, that, uh, that, had, that, that realizes they're a sinner and, and realizes that, that, that they fall short of the glory of God like we read in Scripture, um, they need a Savior. And, and, and we, we thank the Lord that you made it simple. You, you tell us in, in the gospel that, that you sent your son Jesus. He, he, he died. He, he shed his precious blood. He was the sacrifice for, for all of us. He died for the sins of the whole world. Um, he shed his blood. He was buried. And he rose on the third day to, to, to prove that he was the son of God. And if you'll simply put your faith in him and his finished work, what he did, not in anything that you can do. Uh, we, there's nothing you can stop doing. You can't turn from all your sins. You can't. Uh, you can't work your way to God. Just, just simply put your faith in Him that He did it all, and you'll be saved just as you are. And, and, and we just thank you so much for that, that one sacrifice, Lord. Thank you that, it made, that you made it simple. That's the simplicity of the gospel. Um, we thank you so much. We pray for the rest of the service today. I pray for Pastor Barry and, and all the teachers, and, and just pray that you'll be glorified in all that we do. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you.